0: T, let me ask you one
1: question real quick. Why does Why does Joel Embiid come out with less than five minutes to go in the first quarter and not see the floor for the remainder of the quarter?
0: Because of Brett Brown's rotation because of his load management. It makes no sense. When you lose Ben Simmons, you're supposed to go down low, okay? You know you got to go down low. Embiid uh, was putting those guys in foul trouble. He was living at the foul line the first half. I mean, what is it? I mean, it's basketball 101. You know, your point guard is supposed to control the game and you lose him. And everyone doesn't like Neto. Everyone doesn't like Shake. Everyone doesn't like who we have. So you see the beast. You say, all right, JoJo, this is all you. We lost that. Everyone was just its so frustrating watching him coach this team. This has been a disaster of a season because he just won't get it together. I'm sick and tired of Brent Brown, man. He's got to go. He's got to go. And if they bring him back next year, you're going to have 20,000 people in the Wells Fargo center pitfall. Yep. Because we didn't do anything better to better our team. Ellen Brand gave us a team two times. Two times he gave us a team that should make an easy run to the finals if we had a better coaching staff. And he had. He hasn't done anything. It's always excuse after excuse after excuse. And everybody out here is making excuses for
2: this guy. He's got to go. Pack your bags and get the hell out of Philadelphia. Damn. What? Damn, That's right, Philadelphia. That's how I felt. That's how I continue to feel. I know it's been a while, but that was something that I had to get off my chest. And uh, that's how we're going to welcome you guys into... Another episode of Philly Full Court Press. I'm your host, Big T. Will, and I got my man, the producer extraordinaire, Nat Marlowe. Oh, brother, what is up, T. Will? What's going on, man?
1: Well, there is a, there is one <laughs> Philadelphia sports team we are super excited about right now.
2: Oh, yeah, and it definitely is not the Sixers, so who are you talking about? I'm talking about the Orange and the black. Oh, the you- Philadelphia Flyers, baby. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> here you go. Just rocking your uh, Philadelphia Flyers uh sweatshirt across from me. Dude, I have to, man. Like they just won 9 in a row. 9 in a row. Even if, here's the thing. Like as a hockey
1: guy first, like if the Flyers were to go 0 and 82, I would still rock on my Flyers gear.
2: Like that's just the type of fan that I am. Yeah, you you you're a Zamboner. I know you're a Zamboner from day 1. You know, but uh, you know, T-Wolves on it. You know, I got the orange and black one right now, right?
1: See that? Yeah, you do. Like, you got the you got the hat. You got the socks, too. Like, yeah. I'm impressed. So you opened the door, and you opened up with the, the orange and the black song. I was impressed. <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, how much Sixers talk are we really going to get into today? We're going to
2: get into a whole lot of Sixers talk, man. We're going to get into a whole lot of it. But, you know, I, I, listen. I'm all Philly. You know that. So, you know, Flyers are doing well. You know, the, it's better when more people are on board and behind the team, and behind Vino, and, you know, AV's been doing a a heck of a job, and it's funny that we're opening up talking about that, because that's the segment that we're going to go into with Brett Brown, you know, yeah, exactly, excuse me, Um, the Flyers had, they always had the talent, they always had the young young talent, okay, you know, Hextall, did stockpile the, the farm system with young talent, and he, and he had to team with young talent.
1: Yeah, and he just wasn't calling them up, which, Correct. if anything, like was a good thing because now you have all these guys who are ready to play at the NHL level, surrounded by top-tier NHL talent and a top-tier NHL coach as well. I mean, Dave Hextall wasn't getting it done. So Paul Holmgren, he said, all right, well, Ron Hextall, you're out as GM. He brings in Chuck Fletcher. Then he goes, all right, Dave Haxtell, you're out as head coach. Let's bring in some real NHL talent here to this city.
2: And let's get some NHL minds in front office that are, are going to uh, propel this situation a little bit further. Exactly. And, exactly. And, and that's exactly what happened. And, and now we're seeing with a new voice with the young talent they have. And let's be honest, the best signing I think they had was Kevin Hayes. I mean, when they signed Hayes and everyone saw the money, it was like, oof. You know, it was like that, but that.
1: you always overpay for UFA. So if anything, right, like, it's it's worth it in the short term and the long term, in my opinion. Especially because you're not necessarily stuck with him for that long. You can always trade him.
2: Yeah, but so, but it, it mirrors the same situation we're going to get into. You know, you overpaid for a veteran. The veteran comes in and he's been doing his job. Where on the flip side, on the hardwood. You know, we overpaid for a veteran who isn't doing his job and he's getting crushed out here on the scene. And not for nothing, I've been a defender and I'm going to defend him because it takes the coach, the voice to put him in the situations. So if he's in those types of situations, then, yeah, he's going to be looked at as he's not doing his job. OK, and, and not for. Yeah, he hasn't. You know why, though, Nat? I want to tell you why. Because he's uncomfortable. He's in an uncomfortable offense. He's not playing to his strengths, and when you're putting someone in an uncomfortable position, you see what happens. You know, you're gonna get turnovers. You're gonna get. It looks like he lost a step. It looks like he lost a step on defense. He's getting killed in the pick and roll defensively, and we didn't see that last year when he was with Boston. You know, Al Horford. I hear you, man. Al Horford is getting destroyed on the pick and roll. Okay, he looks lost. But I don't put I don't blame it all on Al because all season he's been uncomfortable. He's on pace to shoot three hundred three pointers. What? What? What the f- exactly? Three hundred three pointers. Are you kidding me, Brett Brown? Are you have you lost your goddamn mind? What? I yeah, th- <laughs> speechless again with Brett Brown, man. You what know, a shock! What a shock! Right? What a shock! So then you had, uh, like, I you know, so you had AV who stepped in for Hackstall, okay, and he steps in, he brings in a new system, he brings, he says the teams will be more aggressive, which they have been, more They're, defensive, which they've also been, which they also been, and he stuck to his guns, and he knew it was going to take a little bit of time, but not a lot of time. And here was the thing with AV's system as well; it initially did not
1: work. At first. Well, it, it did, but there were definitely some holes in it. But A.V. saw the holes eventually and he said, all right, I need to double down on what works with this team to make this system better. I'm not just going to completely abandon ship with this thing. No, I have to see this thing through because there are elements of it that work. Right. And what
2: you're saying is A.V. made Adjustments. Yes. Keyword, adjustments. Also, not just with his own systems, but with the players
1: and the rotations he's been using. He's it been. It works in hockey as well as it
2: does in basketball, Brett Brown. It's called coaching. Do you see how everything intertwines? You know, I'm just giving you a little, a little observation of Flyers hockey and why they're doing so well, and Sixers road woes. You know, and why they're not doing so well on the road? Because, you know, you have to coach. You have to adjust to your players. You have to adjust your system to the players you have on the roster. If you keep pounding away with the same players to your system that does not fit the players, well, you're going to get what we've been seeing.
1: If we're stuck on this uh, this Flyers talk for a bit, would you say that Brett Brown is – the Dave Hackstall of the 76ers?
2: Uh, yeah. Right now, yeah, he's showing. You know, because didn't Hackstall have a couple 10 10 game uh, losing streaks?
1: See, that he did. Yeah, he there had was a huge the he, there was a year he his team won 10 in a row, but they missed the playoffs. The following year, they went on a 10 game losing streak, and then just after he got uh after that season, they went on multiple three game game losing streaks it was just banana lands that that, that tenure he was there it, it still leaves a bad taste in my mouth I can't that's the one thing about like the bad Philadelphia Flyer years that I, I can't get out of my memory I've gotten past the Chris Vandeveldi's. I've gotten past the Andrew McDonald's I've gotten past the Brandon Mannings I've gotten past the Mike Vecchionis who I don't even think saw like a single NHL game I'm past that I can never get past Dave Haxtell
2: You know, left a bad taste in you guys and you Zamboners. He he surely did. And Brett Brown's doing the same with the Sixers, apparently. He's doing the same thing with the Sixers, you know. So, you know – we're just comparing. We're just. Com- we're not talking Flyers hockey. Nat, settle down over there. All right. I see you getting all amped up and ready to roll. Hey, you inter- <laughs> Hey, you greeted me with the orange and the black song, so I'm taking advantage of this while I can. I thought you'd be playing it right now. I, I you know, I thought you would have been dropping it back there already. But um, I'll put it in post. no nah. <laughs> But uh, listen, man, everything is intertwined, and you have to adjust and coach. And we're just not seeing it. And as you heard uh my rant from uh one of the uh, early shows uh that I was on, you know, you, you got to pack your bags and get the hell out of Philadelphia, man. You're killing us. You're absolutely killing. You're killing me. I, I I can't speak for everybody, and I'm not trying to speak for everybody, but I can speak for my damn self, okay? And Brett Brown has single-handedly destroyed this season for me. I have no no more feeling for it. I I called Matt Nat, I called uh what back in November, December, I said this team wasn't going to do anything. I, I saw it. I saw it. Uh, you know. And what happened? We had uh, a couple people on from '97 Five Fanatic came on. Yeah, and, we did. And they said to me, "Oh no, be patient. You know, give it time." And it's like we've we've given it time. How it's much like, more time do we have to give? We only got a couple more games. What Was it, like
1: we recorded Christmas Eve. We mm-hmm. recorded. Martin Luther King Day. We haven't recorded since MLK Day, so we've given it an additional month and a half. We are sitting here, what is it, Sunday, March 8th, Daylight Savings Day, and the Sixers are still the sixth seed. Still. We know what this team is at this point. If you were were to tell me that the Sixers would be, what's their home record now, 28-2? If you were to tell me over the summer that the Sixers would be 28-2, in the World's Fargo Center, I would have said, well, that's it. The Sixers are going to the finals. Can They're I, winning this thing, and we're going to be a basketball can town I, for can the Can I tell five you years. what
2: their, ro- their road schedule matches teams like the New York Knicks? Okay. The Atlanta Hawks. Okay. And the team they just played last night on Saturday night primetime, the Golden, Golden State, State Warriors. Warriors. Okay. That's where we're at on the road. It's dismal. It's 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 disrespectful to me as a fan, okay, and – it's it's lazy on Brett Brown's end to not figure this out with the team he has. Which, this
1: leads me to ask you this next question. How much of this falls
2: on Elton Brand? So, see, and that's the thing. There, there are a lot of people. There are a lot of people that, that blame Elton Brand as well. And you know what? You guys have your opinion out there on that, and justifiably so. And I'm not going to criticize you. Me personally, I think Elton Brand has given Brett Brown opportunity after opportunity after opportunity with the talent he's brought in on this team for him to uh, succeed, and he just won't do it. Brett Brown, it seems like, like I said, there seems like a a struggle, like a a power of power uh, struggle between Brett Brown and Elton Brand. You know, Elton Brand brings in, you know, let's start with this team, okay? Elton Brand's brought in a team where you go and play bully ball and uh punish you on the offensive defensive rebound live at the foul line put the other put the other team in foul trouble make the other team adjust to you while you're on the court everyone at your position is bigger in length and more athletic than the other team and we haven't seen that and everyone including the national media over the summer had the sixers going to the finals most even said
1: they were going to win the finals
2: a, a, but you know, just before we get ahead of ourselves there with that, and you're right, you're right. They, everyone, including ourselves, had them going to the finals and, you know, walking their way through the East and only going against Milwaukee. However, you know, that's the that's the last, this is the latest team Brett, uh, Brett Brown had. So Brett Brown comes out and he says, I want to develop a bomber. I needed shooters. And next thing you know, out of nowhere, I mean, literally out of nowhere, the Sixers start jacking up threes left and right. And as a fan, I'm like, you know, what's going on? Why are we shooting so many threes lately? Like, this doesn't make any sense. We don't have uh, the same team as we used to. Where's the bully ball? Where's the punishment on the glass? Where's the, the defensive scoring? You know, where where's the, the old school East Conference, Eastern Conference, uh, fight. That's what helped me win all my NBA titles when I played NBA Live
1: 2003. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't bother going for the threes. I just went right in the paint because I knew that I knew
2: that worked for my teams. Well, you know, <laughs> man, listen, it's Brett Brown. So Brett Brown said he wanted to develop a bomber. Okay, all right, so. He develops his bomber and Furkan Korkmaz. I've always been a uh, uh, not like a rah rah Korkmaz fan, but I liked his, I liked Korkmaz. And you knew what you were getting out of Korkmaz, right? Korkmaz, Korkmaz did have some deficiencies. You, you know, he was a little slow. He had to get quicker. He worked on that over the summer, and it showed. So Korkmaz comes out, and he, you know, he starts doing his thing, which is good. Also, I remember back in July, I I had a conversation with uh, a buddy of yours. Uh, over at the at the uh, station, uh, Jamie Lynch, and someone asked him about um, being the ball handler. You know when Ben comes out, and we all said Shake Milton and Josh Richardson could could handle that. This was July, so we're talking summer league when the trades happen. The optimism we had going into the season. Okay, you told Shake Milton after the trade for Gr three and Allen Burks. That you're not playing, you're out of rotation. Ben Simmons gets hurt. Shake comes in, and what's he do? He lights it up with 39 points.
1: And Brett Brown openly admitted that in the post game interview. That's horrible. That's,
2: that's Why horrible. Why would you shoot yourself in the foot like that? Because it's, because he doesn't know any better. Brett Brown doesn't know any better. It just to, just goes to show you about his coaching style and his staff and being open to all his players. All right, great. I appreciate you being open us, telling us what you told uh, Shake. But Shake was supposed to be your backup. You didn't have to go out and get Trey Burks. You didn't have to go out and get Haul Neto. Which everyone is getting kill, killing how old Neto out here, and rightfully so in certain games. You know, you're playing him like he's McConnell, like he's playing way too many minutes. Like, granted, he doesn't have that grittiness like McConnell had, but, you know, Neto will hit a three here and there. And, you know, I, I can appreciate that, but not in this offense. You know, I don't like this offense, I don't like what Brett Brown's doing. I need him to leave. I need him to leave fast. I need someone to call Riker Realtors. I need someone to call REMAX. Send an agent over to his house uh, out in PA. All right? Have him list the house and let's get this rolling. Because at the end of the season, when the hammer comes down and he's going, I want his house already sold. It's
0: time to stop.
2: It is. It is time to go, Brett Brown. So, I mean it's time to go, man. I just can't watch bad basketball anymore. And, you know, I had more fun throughout the process than I am right now with this season. Wow. Yeah. I never thought I would hear those words. The process. Because at least the process I knew I was getting, and those guys were uh, fighting hard. You know, they were playing hard. And 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 that was a a conversation me and my buddy had. It was like, man, Brett Brown looks like he could coach a bad team better than he could coach a good team. Because he was actually coaching and running plays with the processors than he is with his own team that he has. You know, it makes no sense. So you have this team with the bully balls. So then Alan Brands adjusts, makes adjustments. All right, I'll give you some shooters. So we bring in Alan Burks and we bring in GR3. You know, now you got more bounce because Jay Rich was hurt. You know, Ben's hurt. But hold on. gr
1: the 3rd doesn't know his role on the team.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get to that one too. But, uh, you know, he doesn't know his role, but, you know, you, Elton Brand, uh, he, he gave you what you wanted, okay? You said what you wanted. He gave you what you wanted. So that's team number two this year, okay? And if we go back further, we got Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris on the run we had last season. So, I mean, Brett Brown, what is it? What, what is it that you need that Elton Brand hasn't given you? You know, Tobias, ha- and it seems like every time someone's having a marquee season and they come to Philadelphia, they play like crap, okay? Tobias Harris last season was probably one of the best shooters in the league, over 42% from three-point, and he was having a, a career year, all right? And he comes to Philly, he can't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Towards the end of the season, he got a little more comfortable. Now, is that because of Tobias Harris? Is, is that on Tobias Harris, or is that Brett Brown and his system? Think about that before we go into the break. You bring in Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler gave you what Jimmy Butler gives you. You know, Gave you night in, night out. He gave you that leader mentality. He gave you that dog that you need on the court. And gave, dude, I love that about his everyone game. Lo- listen, I love Jimmy Butler. Everyone loves Jimmy Butler. He was one of my favorite Sixer pickups ever. Yeah, listen, Jimmy Butler came in, and he was the man. He did what he had to do because clearly Embiid and Simmons weren't ready to be the men. So Jimmy Butler was that he fits that role, all right. So then the summer comes and we we notice it. Most of us know the story. You know, you weren't going to give Jimmy Butler the, the max contract. You know, there was a lot—the age, the attitude, the the uh, him and Ben, Sim, uh, him and uh, Brett Brown head to head. You know, him and Ben Simmons in the fourth quarter, who has the ball, who doesn't have the ball. So you know, Jimmy Butler goes to Miami, where I think it was a perfect fit. And he's showing you, you know, it's a perfect fit for him in Miami. And that's another team that Elton Brand gave Brett Brown. You know, you're having these stellar NBA players that come in to Philadelphia the last two seasons, and we can't do D with it. We can't. We can't do anything with it. So, you know, all right. So, listen, coming up, I want to bring on uh, my guy from uh, ESPN 97.3. uh Station down the shore, Ryan Ralston, and uh, we're going to talk to him and pick his brain a little bit after these uh, breaks.
3: One of those games that just feels a little bit like a missed opportunity.
4: I think this is a missed opportunity. I think that, like, you're on the cusp of coming back, you know, feeling... Like we deserved and should feel, like it's been a pretty good trip. This is certainly a a a uh, a dampener for me on the trip. I'm a sure dampener. for our guys. You know, there were some good things that came out of it. Losing tonight, I mean, you can't you can't camouflage the disappointment. Tonight was a game that you wanted to win and and, and get on a plane and go home. Uh, we needed to play better defense and close out a game on the road. And we didn't do it. And, uh, you know, we can point at different things. But to me, the bo- that, that's the bottom line. Keep tr- welcome, trying to keep guys in front of you. And uh, we, we just couldn't do it. And
2: uh, and we need to. I mean, do I need to say anything about that? Do I need to continue to say anything else about that? All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of uh, Philly Full Court Press. I'm your host, T will everybody should know me by now and my man nat Marlowe behind the glass man listen i'm just trying to calm down after that last break we just had about brett brown so you know you know there's a lot of there's a lot of brett brown you know as you want to call haters out there and there's a lot of brett brown defenders and a lot of people who are still on the fence with brett brown you know so and and let's be clear i'm not hating on brett brown okay it's just the fact that I've seen enough. And when you see enough and you saw and you saw things that were happening continue to happen and you know, what was my analogy that? It was like crabgrass in the springtime, right? Yeah. Every time the crabgrass comes around every year, you spray something on it to kill it, but it keeps coming back. And that's what I saw in the coaching style with Brett Brown, you know? So, you know, it's time me personally, it's time to move on, but I can't speak for everybody. But listen, as I told you guys on the other side that um I got my a good friend of mine that I've been trying to get up get in touch with, it seems like for the last two years. And uh, we we stay in contact regularly. Uh, he's the co-host of the Sports Bash, the number one drive show from 973 ESPN down the shore. You know, with the host Mike Gill and co host Jeff Mosher. And Jeff Mosher's a friend of the show. He's our you know, he's like our neighbor, you know. Jeff Mosher's like the mayor, he knows everybody. You know, so he introduced us right now. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me bring in Ryan Ralstein. What's up, Ryan?
3: He will. How you doing, brother? Listen, it's been way too long, but uh, I'm glad we could finally make this happen. So, anytime I get the chance to talk Sixers ball, anything Philly with you, it's a it's
2: a good day. Oh man, I appreciate those kind words from you, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can lie. I can lie. <laughs> I pre listen. Uh, anytime I can have an opportunity. To have you in company, man, I feel, you know, the feeling's mutual, okay? Appreciate so, it, man. Uh, oh, <laughs> listen, congratulations, by the way. I saw over the summer you had that tryout down at uh, Washington, right?
3: I did, yeah. Thank you, man. Um, you know, I don't know for anyone that knows Christian Crosby, the in-arena host for the Philadelphia 76 Oh, yeah, that's my so guy. Actually, yeah. Yeah. So I actually... I'm not going to get into my background, but I worked with Christian once upon a time uh, for the Sixers for a little while. And, you know, I was basically trying out for his position, but for the Wizards. <laughs> so, um, you know, I didn't get it, but I was, you know, like one of three people, and I got to host the game down there. So it was definitely a cool experience.
2: No, man, that's awesome, though, just to even have yeah. that experience Evan, and just a different light of being in an NBA spotlight like that. I mean, that's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, it was wild.
2: So, you know, Ry, you also have a podcast with uh, my man Victor, right? I do, yeah. The Philly Special Podcast. Uh, we typically try and,
3: you know, release a new episode every Tuesday, uh, depending on our schedules. But typically, once every seven to ten days, you know, you can find the Philly Special Podcast on literally wherever you get your podcast, you know, Apple, Spotify. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So go check us out, depending on what platform you have, Philly Special Podcast. Um, we're actually just featured in the Philadelphia Inquirer, which is really, really cool. You know, some of the best up-and-coming podcasts in the Philadelphia area. Philly Special made it on the list there. So definitely check us out. I appreciate you plugging that.
2: Oh, man, no problem, man. Listen, we're all love, man. It's all family yeah. here. But, uh, you know, and so I'm bringing you on because uh, I know, you know, personally that, you don't really hate Brett Brown. You kind of defend him a little bit. And I was just curious on, you know, getting a different, uh, you know, outlook on Brett Brown's situation here in Philadelphia and wondering, you know, how do you feel about, you know, his road coaching versus his, his home coaching right now?
3: Well, here's the thing. It's like if Mike Gill heard you say that, who I co-host, you know, the show with every day, Monday to Friday, He'd be laughing because me and him have battled before about Brett Brown. So just to give you how I feel about it, a couple of years ago, I was borderline
4: fire Brett, fire Brett
3: all the time because I saw, you know, especially in that series against Boston where Brett Brown had to go to TJ McConnell for a game in order to steal a win essentially against Boston in that series. But he got massively outcoached in my opinion and a lot of people's opinion that series two years ago. Now, if you fast-forward to everything that's taken place since that, what did they win that year, 52 games?
2: Yeah, I think it was 52. That was the first year uh, we, uh, the Sixers got to the playoffs and 52-game wins. So, and that's yeah.
3: really – I'm going to try and piece this all together for you. But that's, that's the biggest problem. So, Embiid goes down that year. Simmons rattles off like 16 out of 17 wins to finish the season. All of Philadelphia is like,
2: whoa where just come, <laughs> from? come
3: from? Right, right. Like, a 50-win team now? Okay, we're here. And that just threw everything off. Ever since that run to end that season, I think everything's just been so out of whack to this organization, man. And I had to throw that in there because two more seasons now since then, and I think those expectations that were misplaced due to that run has caused, like, just turmoil in this city. And, listen, do I think Brett Brown's a great coach, T. Will? No, I don't. But I just think there's so many bigger problems with this franchise right now and this organization. We, we fire Brett Brown today. What, what's the game plan? Who are you bringing in? Did you want my list? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, if you want to give me a name or two, yeah. if you're the GM, T. Will. What's your What's the first thing you're doing tomorrow at nine a.m. Well, look at
2: Ryan spinning the questions on T on well, full quarter press. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I want your opinion. Well, listen, uh, I my list is, is is short. Okay, I have uh, about three four names on there. At the top of the list, I have uh, Mark Jackson, and I'll give you background each person and why I say it. Mark Jackson is a former point guard. He's a left handed yeah. point guard. And he also is a different voice that I think will compel this team to the next level. He also. I
3: agree with that. I uh, agree with that. Just to cut you off, like no I, I think, unfortunately in sports, you need a new voice oftentimes, and, and it just feels like. From where we're looking, it feels like this locker room desperately needs, needs a, a new, voice. new voice. And Mark, I, I, th- I will agree with you on
2: that. I think Mark Jackson will bring a voice, and as a former player, you know that intensity and attitude that the Sixers, this young Sixers team, needs to go to the next level. My uh, second name would be Stan, uh, Jeff Van Gundy. I Almost says Stan because he just, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 on my mind. But Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff Van Gundy has coached uh, one of the greatest big men of all time. Okay, and he's a defensive-minded coach. So let's look at the Sixers' roster. They're big, and you know they want to pride themselves on defense. Well, why don't we have a coach in here that knows how to coach the bigs and prides himself on defense? Uh, you know, and I just think Jeff Van Gunny, you know, a lot of people don't like him because of, you know, what he says on the, the commentating, but you know, he he's a good minded NBA uh coach and he's also still involved in coaching with the Olympics and the junior Olympics and stuff. So he's not like totally out of the game, you know. Right. Uh my third guy would be the uh bench coach for the Los Angeles Lakers and Jason Kidd. Again, former point guard, uh offensive minded. And, you know, I think he did a hell of a job with Giannis and the Bucks before he departed ways with Milwaukee. And um, I think he would work really well here in Philadelphia. Uh, okay. My other guy would be uh, David Fisdale. You know, a lot of people don't know about David Fisdale, but Fisdale was the reasoning of uh, why Mark Gasol is so good at what he does. You know, Agreed. Fisdale was that coach in, in Memphis. Uh, what was that, Grind City? They used to call it with uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. so they
3: Conley Gasol. Oh Jeff man, Randolph.
2: that team was in the playoffs in the top, you know, three to five in the Western Conference year in and they year out. The,
3: they were in the conference finals a few years back. I don't know what year exactly. Uh, right, but you know, not too long ago. Zach
2: yeah. Randolph, you know, you know, and, and there you go. There, that's a coach who coached a guy with two bigs. He had okay. Randolph and guns and Gasol on the team. Coaching them with Mike Conley Jr. running the point. Okay. So there's another example on why bigs can work if you have the proper coaching and the proper system. So I, you know, I like it. So th- I like it. that would be my list right there. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, that. That's what the Sixers need, right? The Sixers need – they need a new voice, and those are the voices, I think, that will propel themselves. But let me ask you a question. So, yeah. with the with the road record, okay, of now finally having 10 wins out of 23 games, I believe, um, what is your thought on Brett Brown's, you know, coaching style on the road versus home? That's the thing.
3: I mean, I I say the same thing for the home record. Like, how can we – for the people out there that just crush Brett on Twitter, I say the same thing, but 180. You know, I say do a 180. I say, listen, how can you say Brett Brown is this trash if he has a what, 28 and two? Is it at record at home? Mm-hmm. Right, like I, I, see, well, I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> that, that's what I'm getting at. But I don't. I can't look at 28-2 and two and say, well, that's Philadelphia. That's the fans. That's just, you know, they just turn it on. The players are just able to turn it on, and Brett is no factor in that 28-2 and two record at home.
2: Well, uh, they, they do say that the – well, Ben Simmons has come out and said they're afraid to lose at home.
3: Of course. I mean, I've heard that. He said that in, what, like November early in the season, and that was – they should say that all all Philly athletes say that you know we love playing at the link we love playing at the Wells Fargo Center the best fans I mean we've heard that our whole lives and and it's true but I can't I can't look at that I guess is my point and say Brett Brown has had no factor in that and then on the flip side I think Brett needs to get some credit and the players get credit road record same thing I, I can't I cannot give you an answer. If I had an answer, I would be in the Sixers front office tomorrow (laughs) as to why, you know, Brett struggles on the road and this team struggles on the road. I, I think if I had to come up with a, a legit reason or the most legit reason, I think I would say, and this has been going on for three, four years. The roster is constantly changing constantly. I mean, it is last night, golden state at golden state, you don't have three starters. You don't have Embiid. You don't have Ben Simmons. You don't have Jay Rich. Right. I know the Golden State Warriors don't have anyone. All right. I, I understand. That's not an easy game to win without your three, your arguably three
0: best yeah, starters. Yeah, but you Tobias have
2: you right. have Tobias Harris, you have Al Horford, and you still have probably a more dominant uh, roster than the Golden State Warriors. Which, that's, mind you, that's fair. Which, mind you, the Sixers were up you know in that fourth quarter you know multiple times they had an, a yet another scoring drought you know they were yeah. up 99-92 with 740 left in the game you know next thing you know with 340 left in the game you know they're one they're not at 106 before Tobias Harris hit the layup you know so it's like why are you why are you having these lows why are you having these these god awful stretches on the road where we can't score
3: and that's been going on all year long, whether Embiid and Simmons and Jay Rich are in the lineup or they're not in the lineup, the clunky offense, right? We've Mm -hmm. heard that phrase all all year long. And I don't know what exactly the answer is. Do I think Mark Jackson, if he was on the sideline last night, like did the Sixers win that game? Like, I I don't know, man, maybe. But like when I look at this franchise, I think ownership is a bigger concern to me right now than coaching. I think the general manager, it's easy with hindsight, but guess what? That's that's our job. We can look at things in hindsight and change our opinion.
2: Right, right. You know,
3: we were all excited when Al Al Horford was coming here. We were all excited with Jimmy, and then Jimmy leaves, and we keep Tobias. But those moves right now, where we're sitting, they can be questioned. What's Helton Brand going to do next now? Is Al Horford staying? Can we unload that ridiculous contract? Like, there's a ton of roster issues and question marks. I think the ownership is heavily involved in those decisions, and they shouldn't be. So, when I defend Brett, I think those are the reasons why. And I don't completely disagree with some of the points you're making. Like, I think a new voice could help. But I think the roster, the injuries, the, you know, different variations of the lineup, those are all factors, too, That. I don't think are fair to be completely ignored when people scream like
2: fire, bread. Right, and on the flip side of that, you ha- you have to also look at okay with the roster turnover that you said that the uh, Sixers have had, which we all agree on, the fact that Elton Brand has given Brett Brown multiple opportunities to succeed with this roster turnover. He's basically given Brett Brown what he wanted. It's like, you know, and we could start as go back to where we, you know, we flipped Markel Fultz and we got Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. You got a team where you have Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, you, you know, and Joel Embiid, they, <laughs> that team should walk to the finals. Okay, I should roll basketball out in the middle of the center court and say go hoop, you know, and I you didn't. should and you should beat every team that comes through the Eastern Conference, and we didn't. Okay, it, it, it took uh, it takes as Brett Brown says, it takes time. We need a third. You got to gel. You got to do this. You got to do that, and that's a, that scratches my head. Like I'm like hmm. You just you got some of the best talent in the NBA, especially in the Eastern Conference. What what's what time do you need to get to where you got to go? And then you, you so you get to the summertime, Jimmy doesn't come back, you resign Harris, but then you bring in as like you said, we loved Al Horford, we didn't like the contract, and I heard multiple people say that, you know. Yeah, yeah. You liked Al Horford as the move, the player, the veteran, you know, to play next to Embiid, but that contract was Awful. And, you know, I'll still stick to that. You bring in Horford, you bring in Jay Rich, you re-sign Tobias Harris. I'm looking at this team again like, okay, Brett, now you have these guys for a preseason, you have these guys for camp, and you have them for the start of the season. There is no excuse. Now you have yeah, a team.
3: But see well, how many games did the starting five play together this year?
2: But it doesn't matter. See, and that's it doesn't a, matter. No, listen, and this is why. This is why it, it really shouldn't matter because I was going to that point. Right. The starting five, whether they play together or not, longer than ten games. Okay, you still have enough talent on the roster to win. And this was pre-injury. I'm talking about pre-injury, pre-load management. Right. You still have enough talent on the roster to win, and you, Brett Brown did not adjust to his roster because eight to ten games in, we, he came out an interview and said, "I need to grow a bomber." What? Yep. What are you talking about? You need to grow a bomber. You got you got the biggest team in the league. Well, top three, beat them up on the glass, live at the foul line. You don't need to grow a bomber. What are you talking well,
3: he does, about? He, he, what's the one word that we've heard all season long? It's spacing. And you need space so Embiid can operate, so Ben can operate in half-court situations. So when he says grow a bomber, he's he's saying that, how I look at it at least, where we need shooters around these guys. And if we can grow one from within, Quirk Maz, then we're going to be better. Embiid's going to be better. Ben's going to be better. And... I, I think that's what he's referring to, and it's like, listen, Embiid leads the NBA in post ups. When we say per, we need per the minute, post
2: ups per minute, he leads per minute. Yeah. Well, yeah,
3: but I mean. It's not today's NBA, and part of what makes Embiid so dangerous is that he can do a variety of things, and he can step out on you, and he can trail and knock down a three, and do that ridiculous pump fake that people MB still trail, fall for.
2: Embiid trails. <laughs> yo, listen, Embiid trails because his ass is lazy. All right. Oh, well, he he's out of shape. He's out of shape. That's why he still trails. Dangerous,
3: at least. He can make up <laughs> for it with his talent. I mean, but let's let's be clear things. with I mean, that today's one. Today's NBA, man. Like, listen, I scream for him to get on the block sometimes too, but it's just I, I don't think that's ever. Gonna happen. I think maybe a new coach comes in and we can see him call his number more down the stretch.
2: Right, we saw it in like, the All Star game. Nick Nurse was a different voice, a different coach, and he put Embiid down low, and Embiid ran block to block. So it's not that it's not that it can't yeah. happen. You know, we saw it happen with our own eyes in the on the biggest stage. So that tell that's that's more a, of uh, an example on why that the new voice would be such a, a huge part. To propelling this team to the next level, you know, because it, the, Brett Brown, he, he, I think what it is, he's too close, okay? He's had these guys before they were NBA players because they were hurt. They sat out a year, and as he says, he nurtured them. Well, the nurturing c- session is over, you know. There's no more nurturing. You got to, you know, grow some you-know-what and get out there and, and ball. You got to hoop. You got to have a little Jimmy Butler in you, you know. And if you don't have that in you right now, and I think Ben has that, you know, Ben has shown that he had it. Ben has Ben's game hasn't has impressed me this year, you know. He has grown. Me but, too. Yeah, I
3: agree with that. But
2: he has. But he had. But they don't have that. They don't have that dog mentality, you know. They don't have that leader. And for people to tell me Jay Rich is the leader of this team and he's a first year player on this team, that's
3: a problem. That's a
2: problem. <laughs> That is a problem. That is that's me as a coach. If I was a coach, I'm looking at Embiid like, yo, you, know, you hear this? You see what the right. reports are saying? This is your team, dog. Like this is your this is your city. You've been here since day one, before all of them. You know you can't have this. But but yeah. he solved. Embiid is Mr. Glass. He's so soft right now. It, it is really is bothering not only Sixer fans. It's bothering the casual fans. It's bothering but the national you, media. you
3: just said it, bro. Just to cut you off. Like I'm sorry, but like I I agree with you. But I think like a, a coach will help. But that's not the answer. Like at the end of the day, people that say you're bringing a new coach and you know Ben would be shooting. It's what if you, if you think you bring in Mark Jackson or Kenny Atkinson all of a sudden I'm just throwing names out there. Right, right, saying, right. You know, you think Ben all of a sudden is gonna be a sharpshooter. No,
2: but I think Ben would actually play the point forward, to be honest well, with you. I,
3: and that I like that role, like late in games. I'd love to see Ben I, you know in that spot. I don't I don't, I, think I, think think cater, right. I don't think they would cater right. I don't think they would cater to
2: Ben and uh, say, Ben, you're our point guard, point guard, point guard. I think he would play more of like a LeBron situation, like a point forward, and you put a point guard on the floor. So, or you put a point guard at the two and you bring it, you you know, you put a a, a pure point guard at the two and have Ben play the point forward. You know? uh,
3: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, though, some of that, and I'm just guessing, you know, I could be wrong, but I think that's a franchise philosophy, too. Like, I think the past couple years, man, they're in there saying, Ben's the point guard. Like, Ben is going to run point for the Philadelphia 76ers. And, And I, maybe I'm, like, letting Brett off the hook too much, but I, I just think there's more to this than like, let's get rid of Brett and all of our problems are going to be gone. Al Horford has been a failure here. That is not a Brett Brown problem. Whoa! <laughs> listen, if you had the best coach in the world, would it be better? A hundred percent. But Al Horford does not fit with Embiid and Simmons. Whoa! He, he does not fit with them, dude. It, it, listen, he can, he's a great passer. He can do a lot of good things. He's been taking way too many threes. All right. I'll be the first to say it. And whose fault's that? That's Al Horford's fault? Him.
2: Is that Al Horford's fault? He's shooting all them threes? He's on pace to well, shoot it's 300 threes. Al Horford's
3: fault. What do you
0: mean? He's shooting he
2: That's shot Brett Brown's three fault, right? <laughs> That's, he's, been, he's shooting them. Brett ain't shooting them. Brett's telling him to shoot them because it's part of the system. That's Brett Brown's philosophy. The coaches.
3: I think, and and I'm I'm with you on Brett's philosophy, he runs the least pick and rolls, it's very loose concept based, it's very like spread him out and the players have to... It's a free it's for like, all,
2: he's got guys running a three man weave at the top of the key, he has one guy buried in the corner, <laughs> one guy at the foul line, and he's like, if you're open, shoot it. That's his concept. Yeah. He wants volume threes. You know, he's been in m- m- multiple interviews and magazine articles where he said he wanted Embiid to shoot eight threes. You know, he came out this shoot this season and said he wanted Ben to take at least one. We haven't seen it since. You know, he wanted Ben to go to the foul line. Okay, he's increased that a little bit. He wants yeah. to grow a bomber. Everything is predicated around the three ball in his system. So if if I have a guy like Al Horford, he, you don't have Al Horford from the Atlanta Hawks where you could just start pumping threes and he has younger legs. You know, you, you can't do that. And he hasn't, I'm with you. He hasn't I'm with adjusted to this, to the players he has on his team. And that's what I'm talking about. It all comes down to coaching no matter, no matter how bad Al Horford looks. And, yes, he's looked bad because I just ripped him in our previous segment about his pick-and-roll defense. You know, he looks sluggish. He looks lost. That's all predicated on coaching. The coaches put these players in position to, maximize, yeah. to maximize the system, and he's not doing it. Okay, these guys are out of system. They're out of sync. They don't know their rotation. They don't know where to be. And then you got guys coming out in interviews saying, well, when Embiid and Simmons go down, we feel lost. Of course you feel lost because you don't know what the hell you're doing because you're not running offense. And then you got your coach coming out and a couple games after that saying, well, I guess I'm going to start running plays. You should have been running plays the whole season.
3: I mean, listen, if the Bucks lose Giannis and Chris Middleton, they're going to look a hell of a lot different. All right, and I don't, like I said, once again, I don't completely disagree with the points you're making. I think they're valid, but I think it's a piece of the pie. Like, that's how I look at this. Like, I think, you know, yes, the rotations are bad. And, yes, like, you know, they're out of place. And, yes, but the NBA regular season is literally a different sport than the NBA postseason. And, once again, you know, I I go back to how the roster is built, and regular season ball does not suit this team. And then you lose – three of your five starters, and you're really asking a lot of that.
2: And that's funny you said that because, you know, as frustrated as I am and as much as I, you know, have some venom towards the Sixers' uh, situation this year, Yeah. when the playoffs start, it's a totally different season. And it scares me because we only won 10 games on the road and we've dropped 24. And in the playoffs, you got to win on the road. And you gotta win just one. So if this is a sixteen season, sixteen game season, we don't have enough wins on the road to get to where we have to go as a as a unit, you know? And yeah. that's scary, man. It's scary that this team is so frustrating right now. As you said, the regular season doesn't mean anything, but the seeding does, and we're in a we're we, we're in a seed where we can't be because it no. puts us on a road where we're ten and twenty four into this regular season. But on the flip side, it's a new season. And the Sixers could be a scary team in the playoffs. So, I, you know, I agree with you with that one. And it is mind-boggling on how much is predicated on the NBA playoffs and the regular season. But you have to get to the NBA playoffs So you have to play the regular season. So the regular season does mean something because it puts you in a better place and a better position to get to your ultimate goal, which is the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, the NBA Finals. You know, you want to be playing in May and June and July. You don't want to be home sitting watching at the end of Memorial Day weekend.
3: No, not at all. And listen, the regular season does mean something. I've said this on the show before. A six seed, you're not making it to the finals. (laughs) So when I say – San Antonio did. Well, yeah, you know, you can point to you know a handful of cases in any you know situation, <laughs> but it's like it ain't happening. It ain't happening. So I don't think you're going, you're going to have to win a road game even if you're the one seed. You're going to eventually have to win a road game. Like at some point, you're right. going to lose a home right. game, and you're going to have to go get one on the road. And playoff ball is different, but you gotta have you gotta have more consistency. Like that's you know we're going to point back to the road record, right? Along with other things, for me at least, as to, you know, why the downfall occurred shorter than we wished.
2: Hey, man, listen. Shorter than we wished. That was my man, Ryan Ralstein. Uh, check him <laughs> out Monday through Friday, 2 to 6, ninety-seven-three, ESPN, you know, with host Mike Gill, co-host Jeff Mosher. Hey, Ryan, man, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you, brother. I got much love for you. Continue all the success you're doing, man.
3: Thanks, bro. You too, man. I appreciate it. Uh, always fun talking ball with y'all come on whenever you let me.
2: And, uh, man, listen, open-door policy. You know that, man. <laughs> open-door policy. I can't wait for my invite.
3: Oh, uh, it's coming. <laughs> Checked in the mail.
2: You got it, man. Good talking <laughs> right, to you. Later. All right, yeah, thanks Thanks a lot to uh, Ryan Rothstein coming on the show right there. Um, I, Nat, he, he said Al Horford didn't fit. And what did you just say? I thought you were about to have a heart attack when I, he said that. I literally, you... <laughs> I literally came out in my chair. Like, I mean, you're laughing, and if we had a camera here, you know, I I couldn't believe it.
1: We should be a video show now.
2: Tell me about that it. That would have been man. gold
1: to capture on camera.
2: Oh, Jesus, man! I listen. I I listen. I wanted to bring him on because I know he is a Brett, He's a Brett Brown guy, you know, and i wanted to hear why you know the other side of people who like brett brown so it's good it was good you know and and ryan man that's my brother man he could come on anytime you know he's a good dude and i hope you guys check out his podcast and uh check out uh what he's doing he's doing big things but uh coming up after the break uh we got another guy i want to talk to who was um you know we i talked to him behind the scenes and uh he's finally gonna come on air and uh yeah you know, we're going to talk a little more sixes we're doing sixes all the talk all day man on Philly full court press I gave you
0: fair be beware, beware. T let you know, me you ask do you, you, do you one
1: question real quick why does why does Joel Embiid come out with less than five minutes to go in the first quarter and not see the floor for the remainder of the quarter Is fair,
0: Brent Brown's beware, rotation beware, because of his load management It makes no sense. When you lose Ben Simmons, you're supposed to go down low, okay? You know you got to go down low. Uh, And he was putting those guys in foul trouble. He was living at the foul line the first half. I mean, what is it? I mean, it's basketball 101. You know, your point guard is supposed to control the game, and you lose him, and everyone doesn't like Neto. Everyone doesn't like Shake. Everyone doesn't like who we have. So you see the beast. You say, all right, JoJo, yeah. this is all you. We lost that. Everyone was just it's so frustrating watching him coach this team. This has been a disaster of a season because he just won't get it together. I'm sick and tired of Brent Brown, man. He's got to go. He's got to go. And if they bring him back next year, you're going to have 20,000 people in the Wells Fargo Center pissed off. Yep. Because we didn't do anything better to better our team. Ellen Brand gave us a team two times. Two times he gave us a team that should make an easy run to the finals if we had a better coaching staff. And he hasn't, he hasn't done anything. It's always excuse after excuse after excuse. And everybody out here is making excuses for this guy. He's got to go. Pack your bag and get the hell out of Philadelphia. Damn, what? damn. Wow.
2: Yeah, yeah. Welcome back. Philly Full Court Press, really speaking the truth. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm bringing my man, a legend in the game. He does a whole lot for the city, he does a whole lot for the community. And I am so honored and appreciated to call him a friend of mine. And uh, you might hear him occasionally on 97.5 The Fanatic on all the shows because he's a big Philly four for four guy. You know, he is uh, very well known throughout the state of Philadelphia. I I said the state, the city of Philadelphia, the state of Pennsylvania. You know, uh, he does multiple interviews on CBS three. You know, he does interviews on KYW. He's done interviews on NBC 10. He's been on action news. So, you know, this is a heavy hitter right now, ladies and gentlemen. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the one only Karate Mark. You
0: don't know the power (laughs) of the dark side.
2: Welcome to the dark side, Karate Mark.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a hell of an
4: introduction, and I don't deserve that much. And bro, you're the professional here. This is actually my first time doing a podcast with anybody. I ain't trying to bust up your process and mess it up like our boy Brett Brown's doing.
2: <laughs> we jumping right into it. Mark, we jumping right into it. See, hey,
4: you and I talk a lot of sports, brother. We've been talking sports for a long time. And I look on the positive side of sports, life, everything. And this team is killing me from the inside
2: out, yo. I got, <laughs> I
0: got nothing,
2: nothing right now. Listen, Mark. Wait a minute! Let's <laughs> Did you just drop
4: a tear on me, hey, it, yo? I eat my tears and they make me stronger. Believe that, yo. Oh man! This it, last night, what the hell happened with Golden State last night? You kidding me? We lost to two hot dog vendors and a couple guys they met out in the parking lot, and I think <laughs> they were half drunk.
2: Yo, it's the Brett Brown effect, man. I'm telling you, it's the Brett I Brown get effect. It. So, you know, let's walk everyone through this little process, this journey. So, Mark and I, we talk a lot. As you said, we talk a lot about sports, okay, a lot about Philly sports. Whatever's in season, we're we're on it, okay? And prior to the season, you know, we were all optimistic. And I wasn't really as, as hard on Brett Brown, but I had him on notice. I put Brett Brown on notice. And Mark was the other guy on my shoulder, like – Nah, T, nah, you know, give it some time. We're going to be good this year. We're going to the finals. We got the right pieces. We're going to play bully ball. You know, we all drank the Kool-Aid in the summer. So, I was on board. Okay, yeah, well, I'm always on board. But, you know, I was on board now. We want more with what Mark was saying. Like, it's going, to, it's going to work. Everything's going to be fine. So, the first – Go ahead, Mark. With all the
4: talent that's on the team – you, you had to go into the season believing. Right. With, with Byron Horford, the one guy in the NBA who could stop Joe, and you put him right next to Joe, it's got to work out. I don't care what people say about Ben Schott. It's, it, it's, it's inexcusable that he doesn't do it. I don't care about what people say about Ben shot because he's one of the best damn players in the NBA, Jay Rich. He was supposed to be the startup guy and the predecessor to D-Wade. You know, everything was set up the right way, Tobias Harris. I'll take Jimmy Butler over Tobias Harris, but I was not mad at the, at the Tobias no, Harris.
2: No, no one was mad at the Tobias. I mean, you were mad at the money, but you weren't mad for keeping to, uh, Toby.
4: I'm never mad at the money because it's not mine.
2: <laughs>
4: for real. And if somebody can make a dollar, God bless them, make as many dollars as you can. It's got to come down to the coach at this point because it's inexplicable – with the amount of talent that this team has, the projections that this team has, and it's not just looking through Philly goggles, every national person out there said this team's walking to the Eastern
2: Conference Finals. And we're talking about going back into Summer League before the season started. You know, national media, uh, local media, writers, broadcasters, podcasters, you name it. They were picking Philly, Milwaukee, one and two. And they had them battling in the Eastern Conference Finals to see who was going to the finals. And I would say 60% of 60-70% of them had Philly in the finals. And this was preseason. And you know what? I agreed with them. Everyone agreed with them in the area, you know, and it should have happened. So the season starts and you know the first ten games, I instantly jumped on it. And I said, I don't like what I'm saying. And I said it to you, and you said, Well, what are you talking about? And I explained it. You know, it was like, uh, Nat, what's my analogy, Nat? The crabgrass in the summertime. That's right. It's like crabgrass. <laughs> it's it's going to crab. You know, you, you, you thought you got rid of it, and then next you know, it starts creeping back up again. And I started seeing that again with uh, Brett Brown and the offense and the rotations and the splits on when the guys come out and the substitutions, and I just didn't like it. I had a bad, bad feeling. So I called it out, you know, on on Philly Full Court Press, which you're listening to now. And, you know, I got a little little backlash. Say, oh, you know, T, calm down. It's too early for that. Let it grow. Brett Brown said, give us to Christmas. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Or give us to the All-Star break. Mm Mm-hmm. Give us to the New Year. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, now we're past all that. Now we're coming up on the the second half of the season, which is the uh, NBA playoffs. And, got to like nine
4: o'clock on Wednesday, if you got
2: me. <laughs> and 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 Mark, we're sitting right. On we're we're sitting right now, Mark, as the Sixers. Can you give an idea? Do you even know where we're at right now, as a Sixers record? Do you know where the standings yet? High thirties, mid twenties, yeah? Okay? Sixers are thirty eight and twenty six. They're a half game out of the fifth seed. They are fifteen and a half games out of first. They are twenty eight and two down at the Wells Fargo Center. That's impressive. I am <laughs> I and I, I will tip my hat off to the team and the coaching staff for being twenty eight and two at home defending home court, which you should. Because Miami is 27-4, and four, okay? And they had a roster turnover. So I'm comparing apples to apples. So you go on the road, the Sixers are 10-24. It's
4: ridiculous. It, it is night and day different. It's inexplicable. And, and I've been saying one of the positive things I've been saying all season, even with the road record not being great, Name me a team in the NBA that's going to beat the Sixers four times in 10 days. At this point I can name about 6 or 7
2: easy. The top and four the top four Jeez, in the hurts. East can do it. The top four in the East could do it easily. The they Bucks, can do it. the Bucks can do it. Toronto can do it. The Heat can do it. And, you know, the Sixers would be lucky if they get out of the, the first round cuz right now they're matched up against Boston. And as as you and I are, aren't afraid of Boston, Mark, um, I'm afraid of the plane on the road. Keith, what bothers me the most
4: about all of this is that the best team in the situation, in all the factors, is the Bucks. And I feel we match up better with the Bucks than we do with some of these other teams that are less talent. And I feel like we've owned the Bucks for the last couple of years. We have. We would have beat the Bucks last year if we made it past Toronto, and the Bucks are looking better this year than they ever have before, and I still think we could take them in seven, but what? I don't even think we're going to make it to the Bucs. <laughs> if we take someone like Miami or Brooklyn or Boston, we're going to get beat by a, one of them scrub teams, and it's so annoying at this point.
2: Listen, I hear you, and I just got one thing to say to you.
0: What's up, brother? You don't know the power of the dark side.
2: <laughs> the dark side is vicious, and we're in that vicious state of mind right now. The, our sixes are six seed, man. The six seed. You know how hard that is for me to say right now? You know, the six seed. The six seed, Mark. Coming into this season, all the optimistic. Uh, Uh, that we had, all the optimism we had, okay, all the juice that we had going in from July to August, all the anticipation we had from August to September, okay, all through camp coming into October to the beginning of the season, the Wells Fargo Center sold out night in and night out, and we're sitting in the sixth damn seed because our coach refuses to change and adjust to the team he has. Elton Brent has given this coach Multiple opportunity, and NBA talent on the roster to make a run, and he hasn't done it. Now, as a Sixers fan, how do you feel about the situation we're in right now as a sixth seed with a handful of games left, knowing they can't win on the road? Why must you
4: fail me so often? As a fan, it honestly hurts, brother because you know I'm going to be watching. You know I'm going to be as many games as I could possibly get to if I'm lucky enough. You know I'm going to be cheering for every shot made, every game won. But it's just hard because I feel like we can see the ceiling. I I feel like at the beginning of this year, there was no roof. There was no ceiling. The the projection was endless. And I think two-thirds, three-quarters of the way into the season, we can see the ceiling, and that hurts my feelings. Knowing that it's it's almost feeling inevitable
2: at this point. It's tough, Mark. It's a tough pill to swallow, my brother. You know? At least Uh, they
4: wear the right jersey in the right colors. You know what I'm saying?
2: Listen, man. Damn that. I want you to win in the right colors in the right jersey right now. And it's not happening. It's just not happening. And it's frustrating. It's so frustrating to watch what we have and and just to see. I feel like we've been we've been robbed. OK, I feel like we've been sleeping and someone came in our house and violated us and they robbed us. They robbed our cupboards. They took the baby's milk. They took the little one cereal. They took mom's apron. They took pop's ties. They, they robbed us. We got nothing. We got nothing to hang our hat on. But hope, hope like we're back at that Philly hope again, Mark. Hope that we're going to turn it around hope that we could figure this out Hope that you know the playoffs come and we adjust accordingly to make this run I hope I hope the, the, the sixers are are a fight they you know they, they're fighters for the city they got the, the heart of the city as Brett Brown says the spirit of the Philadelphia you know as Brett Brown says you know well Brett Brown you're not giving me the spirit coaching that I need. You're not giving me the heart that I need, especially on the road. How do you continuously leave your playbook at home when you go on the road? I got a question for hey,
4: Can you do that Boston accent again, bro?
2: The spirit of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, Brett Brown, I, I have li- – I'm he's done with good, him. He's I'm a done- good guy. He's a good good person. The one
4: thing that I've held on to for a long time, and you know this is my ongoing argument, I believe he holds the best quality of a professional sports coach. He gathers men together in the locker room and, and combines personalities together, and he meshes millionaires and egos well. He meshes a group of men together well. His execution on the court is subpar. And I ain't the guy who says get rid of him now because I don't care who you bring in between now and the end of the season. Somebody's not going to make a difference. No, not right the now. Next
2: couple of weeks. No, not right now. It's got to happen in the season. And it's funny you said that, you know, because I was I used to agree with you about he meshes them well and he was a a, a thing of, of all men. But um, no, I'm not seeing it right now, man. He's a pee
4: uh, He's a pee wee league manager. He lets everybody get a chance to play. Right. And I also believe in life your best attribute is your worst quality. Right. If you really believe in something, you're going to live and die by it. Well, half of live and die is die, and he believes in everybody getting along and everybody getting together, but that's what Pee Wee League managers do, and everybody gets a chance to play. Bro, make a million dollars and sit on the bench. I'll see you at practice.
2: You know, he, he's
4: got to get that kind of attitude.
2: Brett Brown is, has done the, the the coach's mistake. He gets caught watching the game instead of coaching the game. And when he, when he realizes that he's not watching the game and he's actually coaching the game, it's usually too late by then. You know, the other team's then ripped off a 12-2 run or a, you know, a uh, – Astronomical 46 to 4 run within two quarters, or you have a nine minute drought of not scoring, a six minute drought without scoring, another 10 0 run by the other team. You're getting caught watching the game. You know, you can't do that as a coach. You can't get caught up watching the game. That's what Brett Brown does, man. And- nah, it's
4: a real swing effect. You know, the other team gets a couple baskets, just call a quick timeout. It, it, not even all the time to come up with a Next great play, just a momentum killer. You know, I don't even think he sees that sometimes, you know, and that's what I think you're talking about, like, watching the game instead of saying, oh, snap, let me stop this other team's momentum. I'm up 20, and in a blink of an eye, I'm up 10. Right. Let's cut that momentum before they cut it to six, four, and now we're down two. You
2: know, it's to kill me What Brett Brown is also the Sixers will get up big and it, and everyone in the NBA makes a run, okay? But – you don't let the team cut it all the way down to single digits. I mean, you're up 22, 24, 26, 19, and then you just start watching. A prime example, the Denver game of last season still sticks out in my head. Was it last season or earlier this season? Earlier this season. It was earlier this season. Sixers were up 23. And, and <laughs> within a blink of an eye, uh, they just got trashed. Trashed. What the f- and that was my whole feeling throughout that game. I, I still, that still burns in me. You blew it! Burns in me, man. Burns in me. I can't believe it. But, uh, well, Mar- well, Mark, played by. Listen. well placed today by Matt. <laughs> Mark, listen, the, the upcoming schedule real quick. You know, you got Washington at home. You got, you're on the road against the Hornets. You got the Timberwolves at, uh, on the road. You got the Suns on the road. You got the Rockets at home. You got the Magic. You have the Spurs on the road. I mean, this isn't. This is still a tough schedule. You know, you got the Trailblazers at home. You got the Raptors at home. It's an up and down schedule, man. You still got the Bucks one more time. I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing it, the Sixers. It's not it, good. No, it,
4: it, I'd, I'd be feeling a lot better if Ben and Joe were on the court. Got a feeling Joe's right. coming back. We're down Ben feeling, Ben. We ain't gonna see him. Yeah. Then,
2: yeah. I agree, man. Uh, we're yeah. down Ben. We're down Joe. You know, Jay Rich, you know, game to game. It's not looking good. I would feel better. I would feel a lot better if the Sixers were in the one or two seed and all this was happening. Because at least I could hang my hat on the saying, Hey look, we got the best road record, we got the best home record at home. You know, let's just hold on for the next month and a half and then, you know, get everyone right, get everyone healthy. And they got to come to Philly until we get to the finals and then you go on the road. But you worry about that once you get there. You know, now we're in a reverse situation. We're not sitting in the front seat, we're sitting in the back seat. And we're still trying to piece all this together with the injuries to our superstars. True.
4: So, True. So so, I'm scratching the ball, brother.
2: Listen, man, uh, Mark, man, I appreciate you. Continue all the success you're doing in the city. You know, I got much love for you, my brother. And uh, thanks for jumping on Philly Full Court Press with us.
4: Yo, Matt T. Will Philly Full Court Press. I really appreciate you guys having me on and just chilling out. This was a good time. I, I love you, bro.
2: We'll we we'll have you back. Trust me.
4: My man, I'll talk to you soon. Ten nine eight.
2: Ten nine eight, man. TTP. Peace out. So that was my man, Karate Mark, you know, uh, KM, good dude, Manak. Love it. Good
1: dude. I love him.
2: Yeah, he's a good dude. That's my man right there, Karate Mark. One of the few
1: calls I don't have to worry about putting on air.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's going to keep it real with you. He's always going to keep it real with you. And um, it's not looking good, man. It's really not. And I'm getting down. You know, I'm really getting, like, sad and depressed the more I look at this and the more we break this down. And I shouldn't feel this way. And this is what I was talking about where I said Brett Brown stole my joy from the season. Like, I have no joy for this team right now, you know. And I don't hate hate the team. I I hate the coach. And I don't want to hate the coach. I don't want to hate anything with the organization that I like and that I cheer for. And I'm at that point. And I don't like feeling this way. And it sucks. It really does. You know, it, it's not a feeling that any uh, any of us fans should go through. You know, we're we're watching the games with 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 one eye open because we're just waiting for the the uh the bomb to be dropped on us. And last night it was the fourth quarter. You know, pff, explosion. You know, you just don't know. And if it,
1: it's not the fourth, it's the third. We had a uh, oh. one guy calling and he said, "Look, like place a prop bet." on the Sixers losing the third quarter because you'll
2: win a lot of money that way. Constantly, man, constantly. I mean, I what are you – you know, that's why I said I disagreed with Mark with the motivation factor of bringing the guys together. What are you doing from halftime to the third quarter to getting this team to come out and play the way they do in the third quarter? It is horrible. horrible. It is hard. This has been bad basketball to watch. Yeah. I don't care if it's Neto. I don't care if it's Shake. I don't care if Embiid's out and Horford's in. You know, it all predicates on coaching, and these guys aren't coached up ready. And it's been awful to watch. I can't do it, man. I can't do it anymore.
1: It's like, what's the point of watching the game on TV when they're playing on the road when nine times out of 10, they're going to lose?
2: Right. Right. It's point proven, man. I just ran the schedule, and that schedule is not looking anything. I don't want to watch any of those games. I'm going to check into that. I mean, yeah, I will because I'm a fan, but I'm going to be frustrated. Remember the bottle Tylenol that I, I go through watching the game? Yeah. <laughs> I had to buy another one already. You know, we're only in March. I already had to buy another bottle. That's how much of a headache Brett Brown gives me watching his team while he coaches just, you know, his style of play.
1: It's absurd. But what would, you, what would you rather have at this point? Like coronavirus or Brett Brown still coach your team?
2: I think the <laughs> coronavirus might be uh, in hand. i I take that because I'll heal up real quick, especially not to have Brett Brown walking the sideline right now. So, all right, guys, let's we'll take a quick quick uh, T.O. And uh, coming back on the other side, we're going to jump into uh, a little bit more of the schedule, uh, Embiid and Simmons, and, uh, you know, we'll never know who else is going to pop up on the show. Yo, This is T. Will on Philly Four Court Press Right back at you
0: You don't know the power Of the dark side I gave you fair warning, T, let me ask you one
1: question real quick why does, why does Joel Embiid come out with less than five minutes to go in the first quarter and not see the floor for the remainder of the quarter?
0: Because that's Brett Brown's rotation, because of his load management. It makes no sense. When you lose Ben Simmons, you're supposed to go down low. Okay? You know you got to go down low. Uh, Embiid was putting those guys in foul trouble. He was living at the foul line the first half. I mean, what is it? I mean, it's basketball 101. You know, your point guard is supposed to control the game, and you lose him, and everyone doesn't like Neto, everyone doesn't like Shake. everyone doesn't like who we have. So you see the beast. You say, all right, JoJo, yeah. this is all you. We lost that. Everyone was just it's so frustrating watching him coach this team. This has been a disaster of a season because he just won't get it together. I'm sick and tired of Brent Brown, man. He's got to go he got to go. And if they bring him back next year, you got going to have 20,000 people in the Wells Fargo center pissed off. Yeah, Because we didn't do anything better to better our team. Alan Brand gave us a team two times. Two times he gave us a team that should make an easy run to the finals if we had a better coaching staff. And he hasn't has done anything. It's always excuse after excuse after excuse. And everybody out here is making excuses for this guy. He's got to go. Pack your bag and get the hell out of Philadelphia. Damn. What? what?
2: Yeah, I gotta relax. I gotta relax. I gotta settle down.
1: I was worried about you. I thought you might have had a heart attack mid show.
2: It was coming. It was coming So uh, For those who don't know You know I love my music And uh, There's a song out here That we listen to Drew Hill Great band Song's called Tell Me Brett Brown Tell me Tell me What it is that you want Tell the city of Philadelphia What you need Because right now We are not Seeing eye to eye Clearly As a fan base, as a coaching staff, as GM the coach, as you know, casual fan, as media, as national media, everyone's off the page and the city's in the uproar right now. And you know, we have to get on the same page. So you got to tell us what you want, you know, because you told us, I feel like you told us what you wanted, and Elton Brand gave you what you needed. And then you didn't use what you wanted. Therefore, that's the struggles that we have right now. So we're, you know, that's where we're at. And, um, you know, we got a tough schedule coming up. I mean, it, some clunkers in there, but at this rate, as the team's playing, nothing's a clunker. Everything's like pretty much a, a must win situation. You know, you're half game out of the fifth seed, um, but at, at you know between the 50 and the 60 it really doesn't matter you're still at the bottom third of the the playoff hunt and as i stated earlier you're still a dangerous team and that's the that's the most frustrating thing i have on my mind it's like man this team is still dangerous you know uh, the big man will be back okay and b will be back from you know having his little soreness in his shoulder will he be in shape time will tell ben will be back you know, not a doubt in my mind Ben will be back um we just gotta cross our fingers and pray to the good Lord that he doesn't re injure himself and he can stay healthy through the run um Brett brown he he showed adjustment question mark last year, and then that series uh the heat series you're really gonna have to, and even in Toronto going to game seven he made some adjustments so i mean that's the only thing i can hang my hat on with this dude you know so remember
1: he's from last season
2: yeah just hopefully you know he can adjust going into the next season which is the playoffs and you know let's rewrite the ship but as i stated in my rant that's been playing throughout you know, our segment here on Philly Full Court Press. You may have heard it once or twice or a, mul- a multitude of times. But, you know, whether he wins or not, you know, I still perf- you know prefer and think that he needs to go because you can't enter another season next season with pretty much – you're going to have the same roster because everyone's locked up. You know, and people are talking about nonsense. Oh, we're going to trade Horford for a shooter and this and that. Let me tell you something. There's no NBA team that's going to take that contract after year one. Okay, it's just not happening. So you know Horford's going to be back, and you're pretty much going to have the same roster next year. Can't have the same coach. They need a different. They need a different voice. They need a different system. They need. Um, they just need. They need something else. I. e. the Flyers. Yeah. You have a
1: incredibly talented roster, and Rostle. you have you you have a terrific coach who tailors a system around his players so you get the best out of every single player. Who are we talking about? Ale Vignot. Oh,
2: uh, I figured that. I was about to say, which way are you going with this?
1: That's what the Flyers have, and that's what the Sixers need. Because right. I thought The very beginning of the year, the Sixers' home opener against the Boston Celtics. Now, I wasn't a fan of the Horford signing, but once I saw Horford in that first game, I said, okay, maybe I was wrong about that Horford signing. Maybe he can work with this team. Maybe Brett Brown
2: has a system in place where this roster can succeed and make it to the finals. We all thought that. We all did. We all saw it. You know, they crashed the boards. They boxed out. They played tough news defense. And I wasn't convinced of that until I saw that first game. And I
1: feel, I feel like how you feel. I feel duped after that because Brett didn't stick with that
2: system. Nope, nope, he sure didn't. And that's a perfect word. I feel duped. You Got me. And meanwhile, Elaine Vigneault doubled down on his system, and it's working beautifully for the Flyers right now. Well, because he has the Elaine Vino did what you know we want Brett Brown to do. We want him to adjust to the players he had on his team Yeah. he hasn't done it. So listen, yeah, uh, we're going to wrap this up, man. I've had enough fun for one day. You know, I want to thank uh, all the guests that came on the show today. Um please follow us on Twitter at Philly Full Court Press is that – uh Nat, what is that? Is it 76? Full is it Full Court Press 76? The Twitter handle is Full Court 76. Full Court 76. Make sure you guys, have, if you have any questions, you know, tag us, ask us the questions, and, uh, you know, if you ever want to come on. Listen, we have an open-door policy here. If you ever want to come on the show and uh, express your feelings and express your love about this season going into the playoffs, by all means, hit us up. You guys know where to find us. You know where to find me. And, uh, you know, nine eight man, we just got to pull together. We need to rally as a city. Color code. You know how it is. Hey, Nat, man, the orange and the black, right? Oh man, I know you. <laughs> can I play? Can I play the song? It's gonna make you happy. No, you, listen. You've been trying to play it all, all show. Go ahead, man. You want to drop a little orange and a black? You know, you know it. Brother,
1: you know what I want to play. Wake
2: up, <laughs> there, the there it is. The orange, the, the orange and the black. Hey, man, city man, get behind the Flyers, man. They're real. The Flyers are real right now, and uh, they're playing well, so there are a team in the city.
1: I am sticking by with my original prediction, though, about them. Go ahead. They make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And who's that? The, the Philadelphia the Flyers? Flyers. I
2: think so. I think so. The that was my prediction
1: fight. going into the season, and I'm sticking by it. I don't think they win the Conference Finals. thus meaning I don't think they make it to the Cup Finals or win the Cup, but... They're definitely a team that can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals.
2: I told uh, Jason Martinez, who does uh, work for the Flyers, um, before the season started, I said to him, if the Flyers got a, a new coach and allowed this young talent to flourish a little bit, you know, they could make the playoffs. I said I wasn't, ex- I wouldn't expect them to make, you know, any big noise, but they'll make a little bit of noise. And you know, they got a defenseman and let the let the kid, you know, stick in net a little bit more. <laughs> well,
1: d- hello. Exactly. You I know, knew they would be good. I didn't. I didn't think they would be this good. This
2: kind of reminds me of the Eagles' run to the Super Bowl, where you know you you knew something was special, and you knew something was there, but you didn't know it was this this good. So you know, we, you know, you gonna have to enjoy the ride. You know, the Zamboner Nation, all the Zamboners that are uh, Sixer fans. You know, open the door up for new fans. And tell all the hardcore Boner fans to stop complaining. Shut up. Just shut up. Because I can't understand how you can be in the city and not like one and hate the other when you're going to root for both of them at the end of the day, you know? Stop complaining. You know, enjoy the ride. Enjoy it. Get as many fans behind it as possible. And uh, that's what the Sixers are doing. I think you ultimately
1: know. that's what's happening to Philadelphia in general. You can't, right. just, you can't just go off on what's happening on Twitter all the time. Right. So, like... Yeah, just embrace your inner Philadelphia sports fan. Get behind the Flyers. Get behind the Sixers. Get come behind the Sixers. Come playoff time, especially. Come playoff
2: time, you know, because not only is the team going to need it, I'm going to need it. <laughs> so you know, let's let's get behind our, our Sixers, man. TTP, I am your host, Big T Will, with another edition of Philly Full Court Press. And you guys, man, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you following. And expect a lot more coming from us as we head into the playoffs. Matt, thank you for producing. Thank all our callers again. And you guys keep tweeting away. And uh, we'll be at you another time, another day. Peace. God bless.